Hello, and welcome to the Word Theater Short Story Podcast. My name is Cedaring Fox. I'm Word Theater's founder and artistic director. Today, you will hear a story by Laurie Siegel called The Arbus Factor, about two friends who meet at a French restaurant on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and discuss their plans for the new year. Tim Decay performed this gem of a story last year during a live Word Theater Zoom performance. His reading was so lovely that we have chosen to share it with the world as we enter 2023. Lori Siegel is a well-beloved author in a variety of genres. She has been a New Yorker favorite for over 60 years, and each of the stories we have done with Lori participating live were published in that wonderful magazine. Much of Siegel's work is informed by her experiences as a refugee from Nazi-occupied Austria. Born in 1928, she was one of the first children sent to England as part of the Kinder Transport. The title of her first book, Other People's Houses, indicates her sense of never feeling fully at home. Lori joined us for a second time when Harriet Walter read The First American, her short story which she later expanded into the novel Her First American. Other works include Shakespeare's Kitchen, which was shortlisted for the Pulitzer Prize, Half the Kingdom, and many pieces of nonfiction. Here now is Tim Decay reading Lori Siegel's The Arbus Factor. On one of the first days of the new year, Jack called Hope. Let's have lunch, he said. I've got an agenda. No need to specify the Café Provence on Upper Broadway, or the time, 15 minutes before noon, when they were sure of getting their table by the window. They did the menu, heard the specials. Hope said, I'm always going to order something different, but ordered the onion soup. Jack ordered the cassoulet, saying, I should have the fish. And a bottle of your Merlot, he told the unsmiling proprietress, which we will have right away. We'll share a salad, Hope said. She saw Jack watch the proprietress walk off in the direction of the bar in a remarkably short skirt for a woman of 50. Hope saw the long, brown, athletic legs bare even in January with Jack's eyes. Jack, a large man with a heavy, dark face, turned to Hope. So, okay, I guess. You? Jack said, my agenda. If we were still making resolutions, what would yours be? Hope's interest pricked right up. I'm thinking, you go first. Jack said, I'm going to watch what I eat. It's not the weight. It's the constantly thinking of eating. I don't eat real meals unless Jeremy comes over. Jeremy was Jack's son. Hope said, I'm going to watch what I watch, and then I'm going to turn the TV off. It's ugly, waking mornings with a thing flickering. It feels debauched. Jack said, I'm not going to order books from Amazon till I've read the ones on my shelf. Hope said, I'm going to hang up my clothes even when nobody is coming over. 
Nora is very severe with me. Nora was Hope's daughter. The wine arrived. Jack did the label checking, cork sniffing, tasting, and nodding. The salad came. Hope served their two plates. Jack indicated Hope's hair, which she had done in an upsweep. Very fetching, he commented. Thank you. Here's an old new resolution. Going to learn French. What was the name of my teacher when we got back from Paris? I once counted 11 years of school French, but it was you who always had to do the talking. Jack said, I want to learn how to pray. Hope looked across the table to see if he was being cute. Jack was concentrating on folding a whole lettuce leaf into his mouth. Hope said, I'll never understand the principle of not cutting it into bite size. The onion soup came, the cassoulet came. Jack asked Hope if she would like to go back. Go back, back to Paris. Jack and Hope had lived together before marrying two other people. Jack subsequently divorced his wife, who had subsequently died. Hope was widowed. To Paris, to Aix-en-Provence, Jack said. Something I've been meaning to ask you, Hope said. Were you and I ever together in an old, old garden? Did, did we walk under century-old trees? Did we lie down in the grass and, and look into tree crowns in France, or was that in England? Was it in England, in an old English garden, or is this a garden in a book? What's to keep us, Jack said. There were a lot of reasons, of course, to keep them from going back. Two of the littlest were at this moment flattening their noses against the outside of the restaurant window. Ten-year-old Benjamin stuck his nose and his thumbs in his ears and wiggled his fingers at his grandfather. Hope made as if to catch her granddaughter's hand through the glass. This made little Miranda laugh. And there was Hope's daughter, Nora, with baby Julie in a stroller, and Jack's son, Jeremy, standing out on the sidewalk. I'm just going to the bathroom, hoped, mouthed to her daughter. What? Nora mouthed back, her face sharpened with irritation. The baby was crying. She knows I can't hear her through the glass, Nora said to Jeremy. Jeremy said, you stay with the kids. I'll go in and get him. I'll see what your mother wants. Jeremy walked into the restaurant, passing Jack and Hope on his way to the corner where, an hour ago, he had folded up his father's wheelchair. Hope stood and came around the table to kiss Jack and be kissed goodbye. I'm the double dad, Jeremy said. I need to get back to the office. I'll call you, Jack said to Hope. We'll have lunch. Hope was mouthing through the window again, and Nora said, Julie, shut up, please. Mom, what? 
The baby had started screeching. Hope pointed in the direction of the ladies' room. Nora signaled, you need me to go with you? Hope shook her head no. One of the reasons for the Café Provence was that its bathrooms were on the street floor, not in the basement, down a long stair. Gathering her coat and bag, Hope opened the door to the ladies' room and saw in the mirror above the basins that her hair was coming out of its pins. She removed all the pins and stood gazing at the crone with the gray shoulder-length hair girlishly loosened. Hope saw what Diane Arbus might have seen and was appalled. And being appalled, pricked her interest right up. I've got an agenda. The Arbus factor of old age. Hope looked forward to saying to Jack, the next time it would be convenient for Jeremy and Nora to arrange lunch for them at the Café Provence. We hope you have enjoyed Tim Decay's performance of Laurie Siegel's The Arbus Factor. If you did, please visit wordtheater.org slash membership and become a member. Annual dues and donations help to support our original live programs in theaters and online. It is support from our members that enables us to offer you these wonderful short stories each week. We are now back in full swing with our live events, which we record so our members all over the world can screen them for free from the comfort of home. If you aren't able to join us live in New York, London, or Los Angeles. Your annual membership also helps us share these digital recordings with under-resourced schools across the globe through our Word Theater in the Schools program. So please, become an annual member. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Special thanks to Jonathan Sachs for composing our theme music, and thank you to our podcast editor, Jason Lee. From all of us at Word Theater, we wish you a healthy and fulfilling new year. And if you aren't yet an annual member, we hope you will join so that you can participate in the many events we have planned for 2023, our 20th anniversary year. Until next week, this is Cedaring Fox, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>